0: Everything changes. Nothing changes at all. I took a walk through this beautiful
1: world Felt the cool rain on my shoulder Found something good in this beautiful world I felt the rain getting colder (laughs) sha la
0: <laughs> Drinking at 4.30 in the afternoon. It's the perfect time. The light is just right, it's important. Also, it's not too crowded, it's quiet. Man can have a drink, a pint in a dignified fashion. Free of care. Are you son? No, thank you. There you go. Thank you so much. So you're on holiday? Uh, sort
1: of. Is it your first time in Glasgow?
0: No, I've been a number of times before. I haven't been in uh, this pub before, though. Oldest in. Uh, 1510 eight? was the building.
1: 1510.
0: Amazing. From my very first time, it was Glasgow. My favorite city in Scotland. One of my favorite cities on Earth. I was gonna say one of my favorite cities in Europe, but is Glasgow Europe? I don't think so. It feels somehow older than that. To many outsiders, Glasgow is seen as a hard, scrabble, even fearsome place. A place that history has moved on from. But there is definitely a sense here that something different is around the corner. We be
1: the it will be one of the most important
2: events in Scottish and British history. More than 4 million people will decide whether Scotland should stay in the UK or become an independent country. Will Scotland stay or will it
3: leave the UK? Scotland independent mark the beginning of the end of the UK as we know
0: it. But in the end, 55% of Scots voted to stay in the Union. That left almost half the population still hungry for independence. And with 73.5% of teenagers voting yes, England had its undies very much in a bunch over the possibility of an unraveling of the Union with Scotland. It's an idea that is overwhelmingly popular in this city, above all others. Glasgow's a gutsy city.
1: I'm told there's going to be big changes, a different outlook, regeneration. But I still hear the cries of yesterday.
0: Why does the possibility of independence have such a powerful hold on Glasgow? The past. Glasgow has long endured, among other things, a reputation for being the most violent area in the UK. It's a familiar cycle, analogous in many ways to what we see elsewhere. Hard times, disappearing manufacturing base, unemployment, a general sense of apathy that the government can't or won't fix what's broken that in the corridors of power in London, in Edinburgh, they just don't give a shit about Glasgow. Especially Glasgow's east side. Like a lot of cities, like most cities in fact, Glasgow is divided. The River Clyde divides the north and south sides, but the bigger, more tangible divide is between east and west. The west, things are expected to be, well, nice. Nice cars, nice families, all the nice stuff that affluence supposedly brings. East side, that's where you grow up hard, where things are rougher, where you've got, according to popular legend, to fight to live every day.
4: In in Scotland, if you're a young boy in Scotland and you're 9 or 10 and you're coming home from school and a big guy beats you up, and you run home to your mum crying. You know what she'll do? She'll give you a cuddle, and then she'll tell you to get back out there and get them. Don't let anybody ever do that to you. And if you need to get a stick, get a stick. If you need a brick, get a brick. Don't let anybody do it to you. That's what we do. And it makes us dangerous enemies, or resourceful enemies, but it also makes us very loyal allies.
0: Detective John Carnishan. 38 years on the job, much of it as murder police on the east side. He's seen it all. Confronted with violent hooliganism, the traditional approach has always been to get out there and bust some heads, make some stats, put up some numbers, lock up some perpetrators. But after decades of dealing with generation after generation of violence, much of it gang related, he took an unusual and controversial new tactic. Along with a colleague, John established a special unit within the Strathclyde Police called the Violence Reduction Unit, and focused their efforts on the social problems that he felt led directly to violent crime. His peers, unsurprisingly, were dubious. But as of 2014, Scotland is at a 40-year low in violent crime. Retired from the force, Carnishan now advises law enforcement around the world. When in town, though, he likes to come here typical Scottish fare, Mother India, for a lamb curry simmered in spicy tomato gravy served with traditional Scottish naan bread. I knew Glasgow was traditionally a tough town. Mm-hmm. I've always seen Glasgow as a warm, welcoming place. It's mm-hmm. always been one of my favorite places mm-hmm. in, in, in this part of the world to visit. So do you think the town's reputation is deserved or is this a... Nope.
4: I mean, in terms of the level of violence, the facts are the facts. That, that, that's, that's there. But statistically, if you don't live or come from Glasgow, your chances of being a victim of an, a, a violent attack in Glasgow is something like
0: 0. 0.000. I've never, ever, ever felt and I've done a fair amount of really... a fair amount of stupid behavior here, a fair amount of drinking... Um, a fair amount of, 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 you know, putting myself in the sort of, you know, situations that they advise visitors to a new town. <laughs> I've, I've never, ever felt uncomfortable here. On the other hand, I could, be, I, could be, I could be wrong in that after a few drinks, I notice that I don't understand anyone. <laughs> so they could be making various threats of violence to me at the bar, and I could just be smiling and nodding. <laughs> Indian food is, of course, huge here, as it is everywhere in the UK. You could venture a guess that it's the cold, damp, and often dreary weather that causes the heart to yearn for spicy food from hotter climates. But it's more likely it began with the trade routes established by the East India Company in the 17th century and returning sailors. And that whole takeover India thing. All I can say is pass the Rogan Josh. So, how do you reduce violence? I mean, traditionally, we just need more police. Mm-hmm. Get out there, crack some skulls, throw some more people in jail, and problem solved. Yep. i say a good number of Americans probably still believe mm-hmm. that very much. We, yeah. We're very fond of throwing people mm-hmm. in prison. Uh, to suggest otherwise would be seen as oh, coddling criminals.
4: Absolutely, and, and it was the same here. We weren't making a blind bit of difference to the levels of violence. We started to think about it an entirely different way. Violence is a public health issue. We all have the capacity for violence. People learn how not to be violent. And that's why early years is important. Because things that happen then will affect their whole life course about how they make decisions about themselves and how they judge judge risk. Mm -hmm. No matter how good the police service is, it will just contain and manage the problem. It won't make it better.
0: First of all, it's not what I'd expect to hear from, you know, somebody who spent, what, 38 years with murder police, presumably busting heads and arresting people, um, that we should hug these little bastards, Yeah, absolutely. that we should make them feel like they're worth something. Mm -hmm. I mean, I get it. I believe it. Absolutely. But everything you've been saying is no way to run for office in my country.
4: (laughs) You shouldn't. (laughs) But I mean, if you say, look, this is going to take a generation, they go. (gasps) Politicians don't want to know the generations. Yeah, they, they, know, like the next election, for goodness' sake. They're say. worried about the newscast on Monday yes. at six o'clock. A headlines. Yep, absolutely. The truth is, we don't have it licked here either, Tony. We don't have it sorted
0: here. But we're on a journey. So what's going on right here? Come on, this is, let's face it. This is one of the most awesome cities anywhere.
4: People. That's how it's going. Individuals starting to get together and say, look, this is shit. We kind of keep doing this. Let's try something different.
2: This podcast is supported by Sleep Number.
0: Look, I don't want to give you the impression that Glasgow is an impoverished wasteland filled with violent hooligans and gang members, an impression shared by many candy-ass Europeans for sure, and a reputation that many Glaswegians are only too happy to perpetuate. Let's face it, Detroit or New Orleans, most American cities make this town look like Club Med by comparison. Glasgow remains the region's no bullshit zone. What I find most endearing in this town is that if you're a native, you're probably an expert at taking the piss. A high-level style of ball-busting that approaches an art form around here.
1: Well, let's get to the back at work again, We You don't call that uh, what you are. You're a glug,
4: you're a your gun, you're a goggle.
0: No one excels more at deflating the pompous Making fun of self-importance, turning even the darkest tragedy into comedy, than the Glaswegian. It's about life, isn't it? That's if you could understand the bastards.
1: Super Mario gone,
0: he never does. This can no, be a challenge, a boy, particularly you know, after a few pints boy, of heavy or a couple of bottles of Buckfast.
2: Oh! Oh! you are.
0: <laughs> Glasgow has a reputation as a hard-drinking, two-fisted town. Yeah. I've always found it to be this funny, very, very funny. funny town. I mean, just we everybody's a natural. Very
3: born dark humor. If you say in America, "My father's died," mm-hmm. people immediately are so sympathetic. In Glasgow, if you say, "My father's died," Glaswegians say, "What size was his shoes?" <laughs> <laughs> we have that.
0: Janie Godley grew up in the East End, married into an organized crime dynasty, worked as a bartender, became a very famous playwright, author, and stand-up comedian. I thought I'd meet her here at Rogano's, a very old-school institution. Thank you. Janie's working some goat cheese thing with figs. For me, Scottish oysters are an irresistible impulse. They are magnificent, by the way.
3: What a lot of people abroad don't understand is the women are the backbone of many of the communities because the men were always drunk Mm -hmm. um, and working in the shipyards and dying young. And that still exists, Tony. The age expectancy is still 55. In Fallujah, Iraq, it's 65.
0: Wow, it's a pretty extraordinary thing.
3: Yeah, I know. There's still a lot of crime, there's still drugs, there's still a lot of alcohol problems. But I think the fact that we are a bit shit helps us because we had the Commonwealth Games here and I love that everybody tried not to shout in the street and swear and sell stolen goods in public. I love that they all had this covert operation of, let's be nice for a week. I love that. (laughs)
0: main course Janie goes for the pan-fried brill, but me, I can't pass up ocean liner, continental classic from days gone by, like the fabulously unfashionable Tyrannosaurus Rex of seafood dishes Lobster Thermidor without irony the lobster is Scottish, as is the cheese, the eggs everything really No, do you have anything to say on the Glaswegian diet?
3: The diet? I mean, it's really interesting. The story interesting, is yeah. that
0: the, that the uh, health-wise, as far as uh, heart problems, right behind Tonga for yeah. all-time worst, least healthy... Yeah.
3: it's a bad thing. It's really weird because when I was a kid and we were poor, we ate fish, butter beans, potatoes, then we would have liver and onions and potatoes and cabbage and peas. And then somewhere from the mid 70s onwards, it just became crap. And now you've got a generation of women who don't know how to make a pot of soup. To be a real Glaswegian, Tony, Mm -hmm. housewife, you have to be able to make a pot of soup. I can't make soup. The joke is apparently I'm good at sex. Sex takes five minutes. Soup can take days and it smells shit. My husband's never asked for soup. So that works. (laughs)
0: <laughs> There's a terrific music scene in Glasgow. The pubs are among the finest anywhere. They say Glaswegians have more fun at a funeral than people in Edinburgh have at a wedding. That does invite, from time to time, admittedly, a fair amount of knuckle headed behaviors. If you're looking for a beer and a beating, Glasgow will happily provide it. The toughness thing is no joke. If you've ever tried to choke a small Glaswegian into unconsciousness, as I have, long story, let me tell you, it's like wrestling with an angry fire plug, it's nearly impossible. Also, it hurts. Access to guns is extremely difficult here. So Scottish hoodlums, unable to dispatch their victims with the kind of speed and efficiency as we enjoy in the good old USA, has had traditionally to resort to the knife to do its maiming and killing, the old country way, one person at a time.
4: The stabbing might not get more than a few lines down the column in the Glasgow papers. Because in this city of violence, ordinary stabbing is hardly news anymore.
0: Where knife violence is an affliction, there must be a cure. Meet Mark Davies. He began his career working as a bouncer in some of the East Side's toughest drinking establishments, where he had plenty of opportunities to hone his skills. Now he runs Tactical Edge, teaching close combat and knife defense to UK special operators and security companies. Come at him with a knife? The overwhelming likelihood is that it will soon be hanging out of your ass. Generally, these courses start come at me with a knife, and a guy comes <laughs> at you like it's Friday, it's Friday the 13th. Yeah. And pretty much nobody outside of Friday the 13th, in my experience, has ever come at anyone with like this. Um, if someone does come, they're rushing at you yeah. and with multiple... are yeah. like in, yeah. in a manic yeah. frenzy yeah. of multiple uh, yeah. jabbing or slashing movements. Yes, yeah, so your attacker has been affected by adrenaline.
5: In such a state, the forebrain has started to shut down. Yeah, so no longer really capable of cognitive thought. So you tend to get these repeated lines of attack. You know, if they're going for the stomach, it tends to be a sewing machine kind of action. Is your first order of business deflecting or getting the
0: damn knife away from them?
5: Right. I'm either going to gain control of the weapon or go to a returning blade technique where I gain control of the weapon and return it to sender. Right. Yeah. Show me. (laughs) Okay. The thing about knife defense is there's no there's no magic bullet. Any technique can fail. Any technique can go wrong. And if there's multiple opponents, that can get a bit difficult as well. Yeah, that sort got of thing. You. Yeah, right. So if we've got the knife held up close, okay. Yeah. So i clap, pull, hit. Right. Now I'm going to force this thing back into your sternum repeatedly. What we call the woodpecker. Right. Yeah? Okay. So, you know, two hands on. Right. Hit first, Root back and forth. Right. Charge. That's it. And charge. Yeah. So, ATM mugging. Okay. I'm going to pin your hand to me so I own the weapon. Right. And I'm going to slap backwards into the groin. Yep. So I'm going to hit, come up, grab. Yep. Now I'm going to introduce point A with point uh-huh, B. Yeah,
0: that's sucks.
5: Now, when I do that a few times, it's like taking a baked potato out of the microwave. It's going to be really hot. you are want to let go. So bang, 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 bang. Again, okay, it's a little bit more close in and right. surreptitious and everybody doesn't see it, yeah? So clear the weapon, just shift it to the side, kneeing in the balls, straight under, Wow.
0: Return to sender. That was an educational <laughs> prompt. Really enjoyed that. Yeah. <laughs> Last night in Glasgow, and enough with the deeper issues. Now, I want to go no deeper than the bottom of a bubbling cauldron of hot grease. It's out there. It's calling to me. I want it now. A happy place from my past, where once I frolicked young and carefree in the field of friolated arts. The University Cafe, where I learned at the foot of the masters the Tao of hot fat and crispy batter. Yes, they do a deep-fried Mars bar here, and deep-fried pizza. Been there, done that. But Carlo here and his twin brother have been keeping the Varecchia family tradition alive since 1918. And it ain't about no Mars bar. I'm tempted to just go completely nuts for all of the things that I like, like... Pie, beans and chips, like I don't even know what kind of pie, but I want it. The macaroni and cheese is tempting. Haggis I'm doing, couldn't resist that. Cheese Beano, I don't even know what that is, but I I kind of want it. Ooh, sausage roll. I do like a good sausage. I order the fish and chips and some haggis. Paddock, battered and floating, adrift in a sea of mysterious, life-giving oil. The accumulated flavors of many magical things as it bobs like Noah's Ark, bringing life in all its infinite variety. Deep-fried haggis, my personal favorite. Sinister sheep parts, in tube form in this case. And if you don't like chopped up liver and lungs and all that good stuff, believe me, the curry sauce sets you right. The combination of french fries or chips in the local dialect with curry sauce and with cheese is perhaps a bro too far. Guy Fieri in a kilt, but, what the heck? I'm pretty sure God is against this. Oh yeah, definitely. Oh. Mm. That's good. It doesn't eat well with a fork, you really gotta pick this up. Mm. So ashamed. Mm. Oh, yeah, clean living. That's really one of life's great pleasures. Don't let them tell you otherwise. They're lying about you, Mr. Haggis. There is no more unfairly reviled food on earth than Haggis. Its ingredients are in fact no more unusual or bizarre or unappetizing than any hot dog you ever ate. Well, how many anal glands are in a chicken nugget? I don't know and I'm not suggesting there are anal glands in a chicken nugget, but would you be surprised if there were? We'll get to the bottom of this. Back to you,
4: Wolf. I'm Ina Garten. Welcome to Be My Guest, the podcast. One of the best gifts you can give friends is spending time together. But what's even better than that? Cooking with them. On Be My Guest, the podcast, new friends and old stop by my barn for some conversation and great cooking. We talk about food, life, and everything in between. Listen to Be My Guest, the podcast with me, Ina Garten, and join us wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Heading north out of Glasgow, Scotland quickly becomes something else. A savagely beautiful, harsh, but absolutely mesmerizing landscape that seems to have changed not at all, for thousands, even millions of years. And across Loch Marie, inaccessible only by boat, one of the great isolated estates, Letter U. It's the favorite retreat of my friend, Adrian Gill. More widely known as A.A. Gill, he's the much-feared and widely-followed restaurant critic for the London Sunday Times. A regular columnist for a spectrum of magazines, author, (laughs) traveler, and one of the finest essayists of our time. Letter U, as it stands today, was built as a shooting lodge. Deer stalking like they do here is something from another era. But it persists in places like this, which both protect and cull deer populations. If you are like us, of course, two murderous aristocrats looking to put some venison on the table, you need help, professional help. And estates like Letter U come with a stalker. Stephen Miller has been working here for eight seasons now, both protecting the animals who live on it and helping people like us in the arduous and delicate task sneaking up on them. We would, as gentlemen of leisure, require a cook. And Adrian has recommended the supremely well-suited Fiona Cullenane, who excels at this kind of Scottish traditional game cookery. For dinner, it's grouse, shot, then hung until the already funky game bird gets pleasingly ripe. The birds are rubbed inside and out with salt and pepper, some fresh thyme jammed in the cavity, browned in the pan, plenty of butter to baste with. In traditional game bird cookery of the British Isles, bread sauce is a must. We don't do this in America, but here, it's essential. Basically, it's milk, simmered with flavoring agent, like an onion piquet, nutmeg, and bay leaf, then thickened with raspings of bread. Grouse, barted with bacon, then roasted in the oven. Nicely rare to medium rare, they're removed to rest and the pan deglazed with red wine. Game stock is added and the sauce reduced. Topped with watercress alongside some parsnips and beetroot. So explain what we're eating because this This is is as classic as it gets, right?
1: And this this is specifically Scottish. This is a grouse, which is the only... The only truly wild game bird in Britain. They're the most highly prized as a sporting bird. They're the most difficult to shoot, uh, but more importantly, they're the most prized to eat. And this
0: bread sauce thing. What what is that?
1: Bread sauce, which is so you really have to grow up here to love this. It's like pottage. It's a it's a sops. Mm-hmm. It's a very, it's a very old dish, and it, but it goes very well with the. Grouse, are, uh, they, they're a very gamey meat. It's a very grown-up taste that is right. that is slightly slightly repellent, mm-hmm. but it, it it is within that it is particularly alluring. Right. It's and there is something also sexual about it that people right. don't often talk about.
0: Right. So good.
1: I I went to a vegetarian school. My, my parents sent me to a vegetarian boarding school, and I so for nine years, the year after I left, I was a vegetarian.
0: Nine years as a vegetarian? That's unthinkable to me.
1: And then I decided not to be, and I made the decision that if I was going to eat meat again, that I had to be prepared to do the whole business. Right.
0: you got to be accountable.
1: For all of it. For all of it. So I started... Getting fish with the guts in and gutting them, and then, and then you go, and then, and then in the end, you. Get someone says, "Well, come and you know you want to eat it. Come and kill it." And you go, "Well, then I have to do that as well." And when I started doing it, it was like coming home. And that's the thing with being on the hill.
0: Until the 19th century, the Scottish Highlands were seen by many as a mysterious, hostile, and dangerous land, populated, when populated at all, by scary-ass barbarians, descendants of the terrifying Picts, tribes so ferocious, so extravagant in their violence and toughness that even the Roman legions decided not to mess with them and instead built a wall, hoping to just keep them out and away from civilized society. Later, hunting estates like this were home to tenant farmers who scratched out a living growing oats and potatoes. Owned by landed gentry, by various royals, the Highland clans Mackenzie, McDonnell, and Macleod to name a few. Later, by newer money, fabulously wealthy foreigners. Today, around half the land in Scotland is owned by fewer than 500 people. It's an anachronism. Dismaying to some, I grant you, but seductive as well. Because who wouldn't do this if they could? Enjoy this kind of rugged solitude from the comfort of a warm, inviting 17th century lodge. Warm one's legs by the fire. Play a little snooker. Enjoy a fine single malt or two. A substantial game meal. Maybe another whiskey, perhaps. Contemplate the mysteries of the universe under a starry sky. Then, to sleep into the arms of Morpheus. To rise in the morning as bringer of death. Stephen and Adrian keep calling it The Hill. But that ain't no hill I ever seen. It's a behemoth an endless range of behemoths. One mountain giving way to a moor, giving way to another mountain, then more, then more. There might be a hill somewhere in there, but it's probably between mountains after a five-mile uphill walk. And though I am to be modest in the best shape of my life of late, it's a daunting hike. The climb gradual, then steep. The footing ranging from rocky to spongy and wet, mile after mile. Me trying to look cool, make it seem like this is nothing unusual. But really, I'm dying. We walked the highlands for hours. Our stalker, Steven, finally identifies a red stag of suitable age and size. One ready, in the parlance, to be taken off the hill. Getting in a range without scaring him off, however, is another challenge. Just a couple of right round. We need to circle around the mountain to close the distance. But there's not a lot I can do, you know. You've gotta get past them, like.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, so you go slowly. Pretend we're hikers at the moment. He hasn't even got a bobble hat. What? If you put a bobble hat on, the deer think you're a hiker. (laughs) (laughs) Just in front into the. Can you see the antlers? steady. That's a nice dog. 10 points. Is that good? He was never going to get any better. <laughs> Do you want to use your knife? shooting your first red stag in, in Scotland, yeah. we all get blooded. Oh. <laughs> it's best if you close your eyes. <laughs> 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 oh.
0: Oh. oh, okay.
1: And, and, and the rule is you have to leave it on yeah. all day.
0: How's it going, Chops? As getting vehicles up here would be both difficult and destructive, the estate has maintained the tradition of using Highland ponies to retrieve the stocked deer. They're bred to be strong and trained to do this work. They'll likely make it back sooner than we will. Thanks, chaps. We'll catch you later on at some point.
1: Good boys, through.
0: I'd thought coming up, my legs burning, I can't wait till that nice, easy downhill walk back. But as I soon find out, the walk down is even harder. Knees screaming, face crusted with dried blood. I'm looking forward to a warm fire, a strong whiskey, and some good country-ass cooking. With the venison stewed with wine. They always you marinated juniper and I all of that. I, I, you know, super simple. Okay, we'll do that. The venison is seasoned with salt and pepper and rosemary, seared in duck fat, and then into the oven. A pan sauce made from the fond, red wine, and deep game stock. Sweetened with currant jelly and finished with a mellowing knob of whole butter. Served with clapshot, basically mashed turnips and potatoes. That's it, that's
1: the end of the season. Usually the girls will be getting. And you it. start killing the girls. You have to traditionally wear the the, the zipper mask, or the leather mask. <laughs> to do that. And and you and you send them notes beforehand saying, I'm watching you, I know where you live. <laughs> <laughs> oh.
0: We deserve this. we've worked for that, huh? Yeah. Literally, the the greatest feat of strength of my entire life. Never at any time in my entire life have I done anything remotely so physical over a sustained period of time. Really? Never. Look how well you look. At no point previously in my life would I have been able to do it. Thank you, guys.
1: Cheers. The best of health, folks. All the very best. Slang you up. Slide you up. Good shot. Hill's now a safer place. <laughs> a safer place for Ramblers. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot safer now that we're not on line. <laughs> <laughs>
0: came to Scotland this time to shoot an animal in the heart. To take part, to be fully culpable in a practice nearly as old as these hills. You walk this country stalking an animal across the rocks and wet heather, you feel little has changed from how your distant ancestors must have searched for their food. With a rifle, with a spear, with a club. I dragged my knuckles up a hill and like my ape-like predecessors, return tired, happy, and covered in blood. Everything changes. Nothing changes at all.